1: Happy Friday, everybody, for the 23rd time. This is fitting. We got the last dance going on. For the 23rd time, I'm not Joe Flacco. This is not Joe Flacco, the podcast. Somebody messaged me the other day and said I blew it. I screwed up. I fucked something up, so I'm just going to admit that I was wrong. I'm not going to change anything. But, and I'm not changing anything mostly because I like the way the logo looks. I'm, I'm, you know, I like my, I like my aesthetics. But uh, he said, you blew it. You could have called it not Joe Flacco's podcast. And it would have been perfect. Because this is not Joe Flacco's podcast. And it's not Joe Flacco's podcast. And I really fucked it up. And now that you hear that, maybe you can unhear it. Maybe you'll just be thinking it's Nacho Flacco's podcast every time I say Nacho Flacco, the podcast. Man, I don't have many regrets in life, but this is one of them. I'm only 23 episodes in, but... Yeah, I don't think I'm changing. I like Nacho Flacco, the podcast. Because then I got Nacho Flacco, the memes. Nacho Flacco, the blog. But then this also works. Nacho Flacco's memes. You know, they're Nacho Flacco's memes. God, I fucking blew this. Anyways, we are doing the lightning round today. I, I've, I've been looking at the the, the follower questions and the and the voicemails, and I've been looking at them and listening to them, and I'm like, God, I just can't, I can't do, you know, 10 or 15 minutes on one of these questions, or the question just kind of wasn't, and when I say I can't do it, it it's kind of a like, a, I don't want to, like it doesn't. It, you know, it, I'd just be I'd just be filling stuff in where I didn't really want to. It wasn't you know, it's not questions that are are that strike me as stuff that because some you know some of this stuff you know, like you guys have heard the podcast. I like doing my research on this stuff, and you got to want to do the research. It's you know, it's a little bit of homework. And so I've got four questions here that I really like the questions, but they just weren't they just weren't something that I was going to spend you know fifteen or twenty minutes talking about like the way yesterday I was talking about the Rodgers scenario. Like the Rodgers thing was really interesting to me because I'm like, man, I want to go through each team. Like where could Aaron Rodgers go? And with this, this, you know, I was able to just kind of kind of rattle off the top of my head. Now we end with, so I got four questions. I got Jalen Hurts to Philly. Top five teams going into 2020. Forgotten running backs. And I just limited this. There's so many forgotten running backs. I just limited it to like the last 20 years. And i have even got a meme out of it. And then my favorite 49ers moment or memory. And so I put the 49ers thing at the very end in case you guys don't want to listen to any of the 49ers shit. But um it's a, a personal story for me. It's it's my uh um it's it's my retelling of the all the shit that happened around the um around my first 49er game. So, um, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you got to do. Uh, subscribing to the pod is the most influential thing you guys can have to do to bump up my, uh, bump up the ranking and, and increase the clout and get us closer to the, um, uh, get us closer to the front page of Apple. What they're looking for is time that you're on here and, um, you know, how much you're listening and then are you subscribed? So would love, would love for you guys to take some, click that button, subscribe, help me out. And, uh, we'll get back to it. So here is the lightning round for questions from you guys. Send them in. The link is in my bio on IG. If you want to submit your own questions. Thanks guys. Hey, not Joe. Um, I was a bit confused on the um, Eagles
2: picking Jalen Hurts, um, and then they said that they're probably going to use him as a running back. Um, just, I'm kind of confused.
1: Can you like give me analysis on what you think about this, or like if it's just ridiculous, or do you think that he's going to be a big part of that um, offense up in Philly? Appreciate it. So you guys you guys might think I'm going to be inconsistent on this one because I don't hate this pick nearly as, nearly as much as I hate the Jordan Love pick. A couple of reasons why. One, uh, Jalen Hurts, the, the Eagles already showed their commitment to Carson Wentz in the first round by taking the wide receiver. Two, uh, Jalen Hurts is actually a potential weapon for Carson Wentz and could be on the field at, with him at the same time kind of like Taysom Hill is with the Saints. And the third is that Jalen Hurts, I think the consensus is that he's more of a project quarterback anyways, and that there's less uh, threat to Carson Wentz in the short term. The other thing is Carson Wentz has got to know his own injury history. You know, he's missed, I think, eight regular season games plus the postseason, you know, those postseason games that he missed. So he's missed quite a few games already in just four years. And having a second quarterback for this team that is certainly you know they were a playoff team last year, I think that I think that they're a wild card team this year, uh, or at least you know a, a threat for the wild card. I don't necessarily I don't see them winning the division. I think that the Cowboys have probably improved too much, but the um, yeah I don't I don't I don't hate this pick. Could they would would I have done it? No, you know, if you're going to stockpile, you know, quarterbacks like the like the old Packers used to, where they, you know, were Mark Brunel and Ty Detmer and, you know, Matt Flynn and all these guys that they would take in the fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh rounds. That's one thing. You know, you, taking a quarterback in the second round is usually a signal of something, right? I mean, that's where Andy Dalton was taken. Kaepernick was taken. Jimmy G was taken. Like these are highly regarded quarterbacks that, maybe just aren't ready to take over for the guy right now. And, but with Jalen Hurts, I think the, you know, he's probably, if you were just going to take him as a quarterback, he probably would have been a third or a fourth round pick, but given everything else that he can do and given that in today's NFL, yeah, I mean, it goes back, you know, the, the coach's cliche. The more you can do, the more valuable you are. This is a guy that, you know, is going to do He's gonna play enough of a role. Like he might end up with a couple hundred rushing yards. He might end up with you know ten or fifteen catches on top. on top of you know potentially a couple touchdown a couple touchdown passes, you know the the Tim Tebow jump pass at the line of scrimmage, like he's gonna be a weapon, you know bringing him in on the read option. like he's gonna be a weapon in the short term. Uh, again, the same way that, that uh, Taysom Hill is, and so for that reason, I think it's it shouldn't be as as big of a slap in the face to Carson Wentz. You know, if Carson Wentz takes it as a slap in the face, and it's extra motivation for him. Good for the Eagles. That you know, that's not going to hurt either. So um, I don't I don't hate the pick. Not what I would have done, but I don't hate the pick.
0: Hey, what's up, Nacho
2: Flacco? Uh just wondering who you think the top five NFL teams going into the season are now, you know, after the draft in frequency. Uh yeah, thanks.
1: So the question is who are my top five teams right now post draft in the NFL? I think I'd have a serious bone to pick with anybody that didn't have in some order. Chiefs, Niners, Ravens, and Saints as the top four. I think those are the four most complete teams. I think you've got some excellent defenses there, some excellent offenses. Uh, I think that you know, even when the you know, in the Niners' case, you know, great defense, but the the number they were also the number two high scoring team in the league last year. Um, Chiefs, great, great offense, and you know, now they've got the championship. Swagger behind them. Saints always have something to prove. You know, you know, you know, they're they they're looking at their window as closing, even even with the Jameis Winston signing. So uh, and then the Ravens, you know, they're coming off, a, you know, they're they're literally trying to follow the the uh, the Chiefs playbook, which is, you know, the Lamar Jackson, you know, um, doesn't doesn't start opening day of his rookie year. Uh, takes over, comes in the next year, they flame out of the playoffs the following year, wins the MVP, gets the cover of Madden, and that's the exact path that Mahomes just went through. So you know, and then you know follows that up with the Super Bowl. So that's those would those would be the four teams of that I think everybody should have. So there shouldn't be any surprises there. This one might be a surprise, and it comes because, and I've, I've, I think I said this after the after the draft because I didn't like their first the I didn't like the position they chose for their first round pick. Love the player. On top of that, uh, came back afterwards, and and they filled all the holes. I thought they should have started filling sooner. They've improved it. Their coach and their quarterback has a ton riding on this season. And so we'll see if, if the pressure is going to be too much, but the Cowboys might be, you know, I, I, I posted on uh, maybe funniest NFL memes. You know, he, he posted something ban. Uh, I said, you know, Cowboys Niners NFC championship game. And it made my skin crawl because those were some of the most stressful years of my life. Um, the ninety. Two ninety three ninety four 93, 94, uh, 95 seasons where the, where the Niners and Cowboys were just going back and forth and back and forth. And I think I was in middle school then. And so you're like just way too invested in, in your NFL team. And, and it's just way too fucking important. And uh, so, but I, I really think, I mean, this was a team that they were, they were basically a 10 and six team off off the expected record so based off point differential they should have been a 10 and 16 and I think between the coaching and some of the other stuff some bad luck you know ended up missing out on the playoffs and well I I don't think they missed out on the playoffs I know they missed out on the playoffs and because of that, you know, teams that underperformed the, their point differential usually come back the next year and win an extra couple games. On top of that, you know, they certainly got better on offense. I think I think CD Lambs a huge upgrade over Randall Cobb. I didn't think they needed to make the upgrade. I think they could have found an exact replacement later in the draft, but you know, if you're going to improve, fine, go ahead and improve. Especially because then they went and got Guys that I'd seen mocked in the first round, like uh, Trayvon Diggs, they got him to play cornerback and replace Byron Jones. They got the top-rated center in the league uh, from Wisconsin, I think. So they plugged holes. Um, I think pass rush would would probably be the one that stands out. They might feel okay with Alden Smith. He's, I you know, I doubt that's going to work out. I mean, this guy hasn't played football in four years. So, but I still think the cowboys one underperformed their point differential last year. I know they underperformed their point differential last year, so that should give them an extra win or two. That gets them in the 9-7, 10, and 6 range. And if they got better and with better coaching, you know, I think I think I don't love McCarthy as a coach, but I certainly think he's better than Jason Garrett. So, you know, maybe that gets them an extra win. I mean, you could be looking at the Cowboys as like an 11 or 12 win team this year. I It's not gonna. It's gonna dry up some memes. Not. It's it's gonna dry up some some memes, but I could definitely see the Cowboys putting together an 11 or 12 win season. Still not going very far in the playoffs, but definitely putting together somewhere in the 10 to 12 win season. So I've got the Cowboys as my as my May first top uh, number five team in the NFL. I'm probably forgetting another team. But I feel like they've, they're have they at least at the top of my mind. I'm at least thinking of them like they're going to like win a playoff game, at least. You should do a video about forgotten running backs over the last 10 or 20 years, like Chris Ivory, Darren McFadden, Matt Forte, Justin Forsett, DeMarco Murray, Alfred Morris, and D'Angelo Williams, and et cetera. Okay, so Calvin is asking about forgotten running backs. And I and I think this is kind of a trick question because there's so fucking many of them. Like fantasy studs that you know, they're not going to make the Hall of Fame. They didn't have very long careers, but if you were playing fantasy football in the first half of, you know, in in in, in the in the 2000s as opposed to the 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 2010s, Some of these guys are absolute monsters. I mean, you've got guys like Jamal Charles, who is the NFL career leader all time in yards per carry. But he didn't come up much. You know, when you're talking about the greats. Um, Steven Jackson, he rushed for 10,000 plus yards. He's got to be, you know, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Guy yeah, was a beast. Pass catching, rushing. He took over seamlessly for Marshall Falk and was just a beast. A, a, just a monster to try and big down, bring down, but also a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. It's like it was like, you know, like slightly smaller Derrick Henry, but, a, but an actual pass catcher and was contributing in the passing game. Jamal Lewis. Monster, obviously get himself in some trouble, but an absolute monster Super Bowl champion. Clinton Portis, he's been in the news, not for being an all-time great running back, but he had 9,000 yards rushing in his career. Fred Taylor, another one, just an absolute load, but he played in Jacksonville. So who's going to remember him? And then Sean Alexander, who is one of the clearest, another guy who's just a fantasy monster, but another guy that just a clear example of, you know, the rule of 370, which was if you give a running back 370 rushing attempts in a single year, you're, ru- you're ending their career, basically. And if you go back and look, he had like, I think he had damn near like 2,000 yards. And... But he also had 370 carries. And never was the same. Never was the same. And I'm leaving off guys that are Hall of Famers, right? I'm leaving off Edger and James. I'm leaving off off uh you know uh Curtis Martin and and guys that had great careers and are getting recognized for it. But I don't see, you know, I don't see any of these guys necessarily making the Hall of Fame. Steven Jackson, like maybe Jamal Charles will get, might get some votes, but Um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for any of these guys to, to get that, to to get any of those legacy type awards. And, uh, it's just, it's the nature of the position. And this is, listen, I, whenever we talk running backs, I tend to, I tend to go back to Frank Gore, but Frank never had the carries that Sean Alexander did in a single season. And it's part of the reason why Frank never had, Frank wasn't going to turn down the rock, but, It's why he never had the big 18, 1900 yard season that some of these other guys did. But that's what helped him play in the league for 15 years. So, you know, you kind of can't have it both ways. So, if anybody's, if you're a Niner fan and everybody's telling you, oh, Frank wasn't great, look at the carries per season. And, you know, it, so what, what, when you're looking at that, it's, it's, that's the thing that's extended his career. But it also, so, you know, he wouldn't have the career rushing totals if he had gotten the extra carries. But if he'd gotten the extra carries, he would have had the big season. Either way, I think he's still, you know, a, um, either way, I think he's still probably a Hall of Famer. But he might have ended up on this list like, you know, at stopping at 9,000 yards instead of where he's at at like 15 or 13 or whatever, whatever the number's at right now. So, um, anyway, those are my, six forgotten running backs of the uh of this century anyways and i've got a meme coming tomorrow that i'm proud of that i only have because of this question i was doing some research and i came across something that was really i thought was really funny um and the old heads will appreciate it so those are my forgotten running backs at least of like the last 20 years
2: Hey, Joe Flacco. Uh, coming from a fellow 49ers fan, what is your favorite 49ers moment uh, in your lifetime? You know, I'm only 15, so mine has got to be, you know, probably come just off the top of my head like this season. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, 30-15 catch. Oh my God, dude, that game got my heart pumping.
0: Honestly, no, probably that just that whole Seattle Seahawks Week 17 game, man. That game was too much stress for me, man. I couldn't even comprehend
2: what was going on. It just felt so good to beat the Seahawks. Just like you know, thinking back on it, it's
1: always it's always a tough battle against them. Uh, Anyways, thank you so much for your help on my podcast, and uh, thank you. So my first NFL game of any team was with my buddy Robbie. Was at the L.A. Coliseum. This was before the Raiders. I grew up in LA. It's before the Raiders moved to Oakland and obviously before they moved to Vegas. And it was Raiders and Falcons. And I just looked it up just because I wanted to get the year right. And it was October 23rd, 1994. That was my first NFL game. I was about to turn 13, like in 10 days, eight days, nine days. And uh, Raiders won 30-17. Tim Brown caught a couple touchdown passes. I remember nothing about the game except for the fact that it was at the Coliseum and it was Raiders and Falcons. Like, I had to look up the... And who I was with. I was with Robbie and his dad. That is not my favorite football memory, though. Um, My first 49er game was unreal. The... I was working, so I was... I just moved up to college. I was just about to turn 21. I'd been at a a city college for the first couple, for the first three years and taking my time and moved up to, moved up to school. And the Niners were having, so it was the Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens, 49ers and the Niners were having a good season And it was, again, 2002 and, uh, just turned 21 that year. And I'd been the last couple of years I'd been working with, and I was in a fantasy football league with a couple of guys that were huge Falcons fans. And we would been going to bars and everything, watching games. They were a few years older than me. And so I would, I would go and take my fake ID and, and, uh, and we'd we'd get after it on Sunday mornings, and it was a blast. But anyway, so the Falcons were good that year; they were nine five and one going into the final week of the season, and it was a lock that the Niners and Falcons were going to play each other uh, in a uh, wild card um, wild card weekend in San Francisco. Just a, a lock. There was no doubt about it. So we all bought tickets. And the Falcons lost to the Browns on the very last game of the season and dropped their record to 9-6-1. And they ended up, that was the year that they went and beat, they had to go to Green Bay, and that's where Vic beat um, Favre in Green Bay. So the Falcons ended up having a really delightful game, right? Delightful walk our weekend. And so instead, uh my dad bought one of the tickets off of uh, my buddies. And he and I drove up he he drove up Santa Barbara and he picked me up in Santa Barbara and we drove up from there. And the um on the way up, he now he had this 84 diesel mercedes not a turbo diesel a diesel mercedes and so these things go like if you're flooring it these things are going like 75 miles an hour and we uh get pulled over on the way up on the way up to the game and and my dad wouldn't drive over 80 miles an hour even if he had a car that did um gets pulled over and he's fucking livid and I, I thought for sure I'm like this. This motherfucker's going to jail. I'm gonna have to drive. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to figure out a way to bail him out. Blah blah blah. And uh, anyway, so you know, everything settles down. He gets his ticket, gets in the car. We we drive up, and uh, um, we crash in a motel, and then the next day, it drove the rest of the way up to the game. The uh the game was Niners versus Giants in San Francisco at Candlestick and the Niners got off to a god-awful start. And were getting basically getting uh basically getting blown out. And it was like it was bad. Like the let me just bring this up real quick. I just I want to make sure I get this right because it's um it was it was bad. So <clears throat> the so like first score of the game, Terrell Owens takes a pass 76 yards from Jeff Garcia. And Niners are up 7 nothing. Well the Giants score the next two touchdowns. Amani Toomer and Jeremy Shockey from uh, Penn State's finest, Kerry Collins. Kevin Barlow, who got his job taken by Frank Gore a few years later, scored to make it 14 14. And then the Giants just decided to push the Niners shit in. Toomer touchdown. Toomer touchdown. Tiki Barber touchdown. Matt Bryant field goal. So at this point, it's thirty-eight fourteen with four minutes left in the third quarter. So twenty-four points. I'm not sure. I forget. This is they just. I think they must have just put in the two-point conversion. Must have just put it in because it, it had certainly hadn't been around for long, and. Owens catches, T.O. catches a 26 yard pass from Jeff Garcia. And then they get the two point conversion. And then it becomes, because before that touchdown, I had said to my dad, because my dad is a diehard 49er fan, but is also a guy that doesn't like sitting in traffic very much. And we were, I was just like, listen, it's going to be like, we got our asses kicked. If you he was gonna stay for me because he knows I I hate leaving games, but I was like, listen, if I didn't, I didn't, this was for my own self-preservation. I did not want to have to put up with this, with this man on the drive back, if on top of the Niners losing, we had to sit in four hours worth of traffic just to get out of the game. So uh then TO so then TO scores. And I'd offered, I'm like, hey, you know, if we don't do anything here, why don't we take off at the start of the fourth quarter? beat traffic because we had a seven hour drive home. This wasn't like we were driving around the block. We had a seven hour drive home. And not that I think we would have beat much traffic because if the Niners were losing that bad going into the fourth quarter, like there there still would have been a fair amount of people leaving the game with us. And so 26 yard touchdown, then they get the two point conversion. So now it's 38, 22 Jeff Garcia to Tio again. So this is two minutes left in the Third, and they score a touchdown. So that's 38-22. Then with 14-55, so only two minutes and eight seconds worth of game time later, Garcia to Owens again. Talk about, like, Kyle Shanahan levels of clock management here. You're up 38-22. There's only a quarter of football left. How do you let the other team get the ball back in only two minutes and eight seconds? So now it's 38-30. And this game is, with 38-30, with 15 minutes of game left, um, seven minutes go by, you know, back and forth game, back and forth game, the Niners kick a field goal. And then fucking craziness ensues. The, um, the Giants go to kick a field goal, And botched the snap. This is the Trey Junkin botched snap game. And I think he botched two of them this game. But the one that is like etched in my memory is the the last one, obviously. And botched snap. The holder rolls out, flings the ball downfield. Maybe there's some like, it's either... You know, a legal man downfield. It's like, it's one of these no calls. They would have they, if they had to review this play, the way they do in 2019 or 2020. This review itself would have taken 20 minutes because they would have had to figure like illegal man downfield and you know pass interference and everything else. It would have taken 20 or 25 minutes. We'd have all been sitting there in the stands like we'd have like they would have had to have opened up the beer, the beer lines again just to just for the wait. Um, and, oh fuck, did I get this out of order? That was the game winning one. So the Niners then go, uh, sorry, so 38-33, Niners go up, and then all this craziness happens with the fucking field club. The Giants drive down, and with the clock ticking down, with the clock ticking down, that's when all this bullshit. He rolls the fucking snap back to the, the 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 holder. The holder rolls out. He flings the pass out, and it's just a, it's just a mad dash. The ball's fucking everywhere. Everybody's jumping all over the place. Pandemonium in the stands. Absolute pandemonium in the stands. And this is probably the first sporting event I'd been to since I turned twenty one. So you know I was drinking. Um. And, and needless to say, the best 49er experience I've had. And I was at Jerry Rice Day where Frank Gore broke the 49ers single game rushing record. But this was still it because I got my dad there. It's my first game ever. It's a playoff game. Huge epic comeback. Crazy controversial ending to the game. And uh, so that, and then I got a, bought a t-shirt in the parking lot. Still have the T shirt. Um, it's not in great shape, but I still have it. So, um, just a uh, just an epic, epic fucking game. And uh, I will, I'll, i The details will probably be fuzzy, and I'll probably screw up, you know, the order of the the field goals and stuff uh, again in the retelling. But um, you know, the 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 thing about those games and and those experiences are, it's just, it's like you remember the feelings you had more than the fucking details. But, um, uh, anyway, just, uh, just a, a, a perfect, a perfect day. So great question. Thanks for asking. If you've made it this far, I appreciate it. Hope you liked what I had to say. If you didn't like it, I hope you come back next week and hear more of the stupid shit that comes out of my mouth. Thanks for listening. Go ahead, like, subscribe, review, whatever you got to do. Help me get that podcast clout.
0: Thanks, guys. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.